Aren't you just glad to be alive and be saved? Anybody? All right. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with me, uh, turn with me this morning uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. Uh, we're going to start a new series this morning called The Change. Uh, it's just a three or four week series as the Lord leads. And we're going to talk about a change of heart, uh, a change of spirit, and the change of mind. And uh, this morning we're launching with a change of heart, a heart change. And God in Scripture has promised us a new heart, a new spirit, a new mind, and eventually He's promised us a new body. And we might throw that one in on the end. Uh, but I've been thinking a lot about what does it really mean to be a Christian? What should we expect to experience as a Christian? And who really is a Christian? You know, over the last several years in Sanctuary, we've gone over the words in red. So hopefully you have been here these last two years. You've got a full gospel presentation of everything Jesus has spoke in the words in red. And then we've gone through the be the church. And I felt the Lord just saying, hold on and, and hang on to uh, this message right here. A few weeks ago, God just popped this in my mind to say, uh, what does it really mean? Who is really transformed into a Christ follower? And there's something that happens when you give your life to Jesus Christ. There should be something wonderful happen in your heart and your life and your mind and your spirit. And one day will happen in your body uh, when you give your life fully to Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay. But this morning, we're going to talk about a change of heart. But let's pray real quick and ask the Lord to be with us. Father, we love you. Lord, we give our life to you. Father, we acknowledge your word that it is from God. And Lord, we think of you fondly and we, we invite your spirit to be with us. Lord, as we study your word, as we apply it to our heart, that we would not turn away from it to the right or to the left. But God, that we would be changed, renewed of mind and spirit and heart. God, that we would be truly transformed into Christ's followers. Lord, that we know we can't do it on our own. And we, Lord, we need help to be the Christians you've called us to be, to be the Christ followers you've called us to be. And I pray for radical transformation in my heart, Lord, to be more like you. I pray for radical transformation in all of our hearts and everyone who hears this message, God, that we'd make a commitment today, Lord, to be as much as we can for Jesus Christ, that we allow the Holy Spirit to truly transform us, that this world has yet to see a church uh, rise up uh, Lord, like these last days churches you've promised to do, God, that we would be that people that sees this world turn back for Jesus Christ. Somebody said, Amen. You know, your heart is amazing. It beats an average of 75 times a minute. Uh, and that is 40 million times a year your heart beats on average. Isn't that crazy? 2.5 billion times in 70 years, if you're lucky. And at each beat... The average adult heart discharges about four ounces of blood, I'm told. This amounts to 3,000 gallons of blood pumping a day. That's just crazy what God has made, right? Uh, 65, or 650,000 gallons a year. Don't you need like a heart for your swimming pool or something? You know, like if science could just keep up with what God has already done. Enough In a year, your heart will pump enough blood to fill more than 81 tanker cars of 8,000 gallons each. And it will produce enough energy in 12 hours, your heart, to lift a 65-ton tanker car a foot off the ground. Seems like I should be healthier than I am, doesn't it? You know? 
And Jesus says in Deuteronomy, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter uh, six, verse five. And we know this in the gospel. But he tells us, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. Now, Jesus is not saying here, love the Lord your God with your blood pumping organ. He's not saying that, right? What's he saying? Uh, You know, the heart is so important, so central to who we are as a people. It, it, it's got used in a lot of expressions, even in biblical times. For instance, give you an example. If someone says, she stole my heart, should we call the police? No. You know, like no one just chopped you open and took your heart out, hopefully. You know, they don't call 911. Or if someone says, uh, you've got such a good heart. They're not looking at a CT scan to see any, anything that's wrong. Or someone says this, uh, uh, he or she, they've had a change of heart. Doesn't mean they've had an operation. What does that mean? It means that they've changed their mind, their attitude, their opinions, or someone stole my heart. They've taken my affections, my love, my attention. Uh, or, or you've got a good heart. means what? You're a good, moral, virtuous person. You're just a good old boy. They, people like you. You like them. And, and they can't say anything bad about you. And so when, when we, Jesus says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, What does he mean? What's at the heart of it all? What's at the center of it all? And that's just it. The heart is the center, right? Uh, If you look it up in in the biblical dictionary, when the Bible uses the word heart, it means this. It means uh, it's the center of your emotions. It's the center of your morals. It's the center of your intelligence, of your decisions. Uh, It's the total sum of who you are, your heart. All right. And it's the it's the center of your physical, mental and spiritual life. And your heart is, in some, your total and true character, your nature. And every person in this room is different. You've got a different heart. You've got a different heartbeat. You've got a different uh, personality or mind, a different spirit, a different zeal, a different knowledge. And, and you, your heart is you. And that's kind of how the Bible talks about it. So th- this morning, uh, we're going to look at this heart promise. And I, I've, I was thinking about this this week. Is, is it even possible when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart? And that's at the center of me, the sum of me, my, my thoughts, my emotions, my intelligence. Is it even possible to love someone like that? Uh, think about it. Uh, love someone with all my mind. My, every decision that I make in my life is, is given in sacrifice to my emotions, my, my feelings, my thoughts, my desires. Immediately I thought about my daughter. Okay, so obviously I'm young dad. New dad, she's two, uh, about to be three. My daughter has my heart, right? Parents, your kids have your heart. And there's nothing most people wouldn't do for their kids. But then I got to think, you know what? There are a lot of uh, just deadbeat parents. There are a lot of absent fathers, a lot of absent mothers. So even in the human mind, the human condition, we still fail to love our own flesh and blood sometimes, right? And how much more do we think we'll have problems loving someone we don't see, God visibly. We don't really get to touch him. We don't always get to hear him vocally. Uh, but, you know, my daughter, I can I can see her. I can touch her. She came from me, my wife, you know, and I and I love her. But even I probably don't love my daughter perfectly. There are probably selfish moments in my life that uh, I'll put myself in front of her. Hopefully I don't. But we all fail. Right. So how can how is it even possible for you to love God with all of your heart, all of your emotion all of your intelligence, all of your personality, all of your wants, your dreams, your ambitions, you would sacrifice to love God more than yourself and more than your children and more than your spouse. You love God the most. Is that possible? 
It's actually not. And that's the reason Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, where you are this morning, God had a plan from the very beginning. As soon as he knew we fell and was going to fall, Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, he says, Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. That means cut out, cut away, the, trim the fat, okay? Your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, so that you may live. True Christ followers can today love God wholly with all of their heart. Why? Because we have a change of heart. Okay? We're going to talk about that today. You can love God today. While it's naturally not possible for you to love God with all your heart, you can love God today with all of your heart only because you've had a change of heart. Because we had a problem. Heart disease was our problem. I think we got a slide for that. There we go. Heart disease. The, fir- the heart is the place where you and I are going to meet God. And it's also the source, though, of all of our problems because we've got this heart disease. You know, cardiovascular disease, heart-related diseases uh, are the leading cause of death in the world. Uh, I looked it up. 17, over 17 million died like last year alone for heart-related diseases. And today, the same is true spiritually. Spiritually, heart disease is the cause of death spiritually. You and I are sick, all right? Uh, we have an issue. Uh, don't look at your neighbor and say, you know, yeah, you've got a problem. But we all do. Every single one of us, every person born in this country, in this, in this universe, has got a problem. We have sin in our heart. And Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says, The heart is more deceitful than all else. It's desperately sick. And who can understand it? That's a verse for men right there. Men, who can understand a woman's heart? Women, who can understand a man's heart, right? It's, it's who can understand it? And it says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I, the Lord, test the mind, even to give each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. That's a scary verse. God is going to repay every man according to his heart. God is going to judge every man and every woman, every child, according to their heart. They thought, secret thoughts, their secret desires, their secret wants and needs, their secret things that you do in your head. And Jesus even said the same thing. Man, our, our hearts are wicked, they're stubborn, they're evil. And for out of the heart, Jesus said, comes evil thoughts. It's actually in the heart where murder starts, adultery starts, uh, fornication, which is premarital sex and all types of immorality, theft, we just had that this week, false witness, slanders. You know, our whole life and character is corrupted by sin so much that it is to the core of you. And let me say this. Some of you know this. You've been in church your whole life or whatever. But until we can, we can't appreciate or get to the Jesus part until you understand. I am totally messed up. Anybody want to agree with me this morning? Not about me, but about all of us, right? I'm totally messed up. My heart in its natural condition, our lives are not inherently good. No matter what you hear, people say modern world today, people are good. No, we're not. We're horrible. We're messed up. Come sit in a pastor's chair for a while and hear about all the chaos that happens behind the scenes in, in, in great people's lives, in good, good people. We're all messed up. Uh, there, it's, it's something to the nature of man. We all have a heart disease, and our hearts are set on wickedness. My heart, Pastor Heath's heart, naturally is set on evil. And it's so evil, the heart of man, that God even had to destroy the world once before. Think of it that way. 
It's so evil. Our hearts, we have a heart problem. And God required in, in order to appease his judgment for sin. And he said, here's the law. Man's got to walk in, in my way. Man has to fear me, love me, serve me with all of their heart and soul to get out of my judgment. But then you think, God, it's not possible. Even Israel, man, Israel comes along, uh, God chooses these people, He says, hey, I'm going to uh, bring my Messiah into the world, my son, through you people, and I'm going to give you my law, and I'm going to give you my word, and my spirit's going to be in the center of your, of your camp, and it's going to go before you, and I'm going to drive out the enemy before you. And God said, here's what you've got to do to be saved. Here's all of the laws and the rules. If you do this, you'll appease my wrath until the Messiah can come. Okay? And that's what God said. And despite Israel and having all of these rules and all these laws and all this religion, it still didn't help their heart problem. And today, you and I can put religion on an amenity of problems in our life. We can put religion and try to hone in our heart and, and stop sin and, and stop our cravings and get away from the, the movies and get away from the sin and put away friends out of our life and stick our nose in the Bible. And all of that still will not help your heart issue. All of that still will not, with the clothes you wear, the drugs you stop doing, the alcohol you stop drinking, it's uh, the movies you stop watching, or the, or the church going you start to do, or the prayers you start to pray, and the Bible reading you start to do, that in themselves will not change the problem that you have a heart disease issue. You've got a heart problem. And uh, I think about Israel. It says that they honored Him, God, with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. Scripture says in Matthew 13, their hearts became dull and without understanding to God's word and his will. Even having it all right there, God laid it all out, wrote it on a mountaintop for him and told Moses to his face, here's what you got to do. Don't die. And their hearts still went after foreign gods, Joshua says, and they committed adultery against him in Numbers 15. You know, it was simply that they were deceived and condemned by their own hearts, despite all their religion. And you know, isn't that what the world says today? Isn't that the world said they they said, you know, we're going to follow our hearts. And the world will tell you that today. The world will tell you, hey, you're, I know you're married, but you don't feel love anymore. Well, you just follow your heart. You can follow your heart right into adultery, and you're going to commit adultery against your spouse and adultery against God, and that's following your heart. That's what the world will tell you. Or the world will tell you today, I know you're not married, but He really, really loves you. Or she really, really loves you. They really care for you. They understand you like nobody else. Follow your heart. Follow your heart right into premarital sex, which is committing adultery against God and committing adultery against your future spouse. That's what the world says. Follow your heart. Follow your heart and follow your dreams, your ambitions. Follow and do whatever you feel like you want to do. And you can follow Israel right to the place of judgment where they follow their heart right into adultery, even knowing the truth, knowing the word of God, knowing uh, what is right and what is wrong. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't follow your heart. You have to follow His heart. You've got to follow His heart. Because our hearts are desperately wicked and desperately evil. I think about Samson. Just a good illustration. Samson is a guy anointed by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, powerful man, warrior, uh, raised up as a judge in his day of evil. And he comes to a girl, uh, a very loose woman from the, the enemy's tribe, and comes to a point that the Bible says in Judges chapter 16, verse 17, that Samson told Delilah all that was in his heart. And when he did that, he gave her his heart 
and the Spirit of God left him, and so does his strength, and he ended up uh, finding himself blind and in prison because God left him. Thank the Lord he repented, and the Spirit of God came back to him. But he gave his heart away to another. He told her everything that God had given him. And, and, and I think the same way is, is true today. You and I live in a world today that we are people who are stubborn. We are people who have unrepentant hearts. And the Bible says that every unrepentant heart stores up wrath for the judgment of God. Romans chapter 2, verse 5. But God is crying out here. Here's where we are this morning. God was crying out in Deuteronomy. He said it in chapter 5, verse 29, uh, according to that verse you have in your hand. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, God cried this. He says, Oh, that they had such a heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that they may be well with them and their sons forever. God wants every single person in the world today to have a heart transplant. He wants every single person in the world today. His desire. We have this God, and, and some people will look up there and say, well, God, you gave us all these rules. God, you gave me all the things I should do. God, I went. To, somebody's going to get to heaven one day and say, God, I went to church. God, I, I did all the right things. I went to Sunday school class. I sang in the choir. I was a musician on stage. God, I, I even taught a Sunday school class. But he's going to look at them and say, I don't know you because you don't have my heart. The same thing with Israel. People look up to a God and they say, God, uh, what kind of a God gives them rules and religions and regulations knowing they couldn't make it? What kind of a God tells us, hey, this is the thing you should do. Go to church, uh, do all the rules and don't do all the don'ts and do all the do's and still would condemn somebody to hell. It's a God who so desires. God is seeking people out. In, In Deuteronomy, he's saying, even from the very beginning of the Bible, I am I'm desiring that people would have a heart that would follow me. I want to put something in you. I want to put my heart in you so that you can do all the things that lead to life. Here's the rules that lead to life and to death, and you can't do them. But God in His grace and His mercy gives us the way to do everything He wants us to do. And look at this. Our change of heart. We need a change of heart. Who holds your heart today, church? Think about this. What entices your heart away from the presence of God? Israel was enticed by foreign religion and adultery and sin and immorality. What entices your heart to leave the presence of God? Is your heart naturally faithful to God? Do you wake up this morning and thinking, man, I just can't wait to get into worship? Or are you thinking, I guess I got to church today? There's a difference, church. There's a difference. Do you go through your life and is it like, well, I need to not do that because I don't want to escape hell. I want to escape hell. I'm not going to commit adultery. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to cuss or lie still because I don't want to go to hell because God's rules. Here's the rules for heaven. Or are you thinking, God, I just want to please you. God, I love you. God, I'm just worshiping you today. There's a difference. There's a difference. It's a change of heart. A change of heart. So is your heart naturally faithful to God? Or is it every day testing the limits of his wrath, of his judgment, the limits of his patience? Do we need a change of heart? Spurgeon once said uh, about this change, he said, you may enlighten a man's understanding and you can do much with that. But as long as his heart is wrong, the enlightenment of his understanding, it only enables him to sin with a greater weight of responsibility resting on him. He knows to be good, 
He prefers the evil, though. He sees the light, but he loves the darkness. He turns from the truth because his heart is actually alienated from God. You see, so many people, church, listen to me, so many people will come into this place. They'll come into churches around central Louisiana. They'll come into churches around the world. They'll hear the pastor speak. They'll hear the Sunday school teachers and the small group leaders speak, but they'll never have a regenerated heart. They'll know the truth, but still desire evil. They'll, they'll, they'll hear and know the right and the wrong, but they'll still be powerless to do it because they haven't been born again. They haven't been made alive with Christ. They haven't had a heart transplant, a change of heart. And, and that's where salvation for you and I begins today. It does not begin because you raised your hand at the end of an altar call. It does not begin because you attend Sanctuary Family Worship Center or you have your letter at some church or you're a voting member here or you're signed up on the roster or the fellowship committee or whatever it may be. It's because you have a heart change. And you'll know it when you do. Ask anybody who's had open heart surgery. I think they'll remember it. Right? Anybody? You know? There's normally a scar right here. And pain for a little while to get used to the new heart. Right? And salvation begins in the heart. You know, we could know of sin. You can know of religion. You can try your very best and still fail to love God with all your heart. Christianity is more than knowledge. It's more than just a decision. It's a total change of heart. Somebody say amen. amen. Look at with me in Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19. So Deuteronomy, God says, hey, man, I, I, here's the requirement. You've got to love me with all your heart to, to get out of my wrath and to, get, to make it into heaven. And God desires in Deuteronomy, he says, man, oh, that they would love me with their whole heart. Oh, that they would do that and live. And then so Ezekiel comes along. Fast forward several hundred years. Ezekiel the prophet is ministered to by God. And Ezekiel the prophet, uh, man, he sees some awesome stuff. A picture into heaven. But God gives Ezekiel a part of the plan that's going to lead to Jesus Christ's coming. And Ezekiel, he tells him in chapter 11, verse 19, and he's fulfilling the prophecy of Deuteronomy, that God's desire is that you and I have a heart change. And so he says... And to Ezekiel, there's coming a day and I will give them one heart and put one new spirit, a new spirit of within them. And I'll take the heart of stone out of their flesh, their hard hearts, their broken hearts. And I'll give them a heart of flesh, a new heart that they may walk in my statues and keep my ordinances and do them. And they'll be my people and I shall be their God. And he says it again in chapter 36, verse 26, which most people know. Moreover, I'll give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Today, that prophecy has been fulfilled and that procedure is possible because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our great physician, comes to the earth several hundred years later and he, he, he becomes the doctor we all needed. And because he loved us so very much with his own heart, Enough to shed his own blood, enough to let his own heart, the Bible says, his own heart be pierced for our transgressions. He sheds his blood, gives us a heart transplant, gives us his heart, his very heart to put into every believer spiritually that God would come down to earth. How many people's doctor love you so much that they would give you the organs out of your own? You know that doctor, he says, oh, you need a liver transplant. Why don't you just take mine? He wouldn't be practicing one very long, right? He'd run out of organs quick. But God is so awesome that He loves us, His children, so much that He would give us the transplant. To live, you needed His heart. You think about those parents that give up the organs for their children. It's kind of the same thing. 
Jesus said, you've got to have my spirit, my heart, my, my heartbeat. It's got to be in you. Not your desires, your, not the center of you, but the center of me. At the core of you has got to live my heartbeat. Could you say that about your life today? That the center of your life is the heartbeat of God? Think about it. All of your desires, everything you seek to know, everything that you love is what God loves. That's what happens when you really become a Christian. It's so scary today because I wonder how many people really have been truly born again. How many people really have had a real heart transplant? A lot of people sign up for the donor list, but they never make it in. They never do the procedure. And, and, and it's possible today. What was impossible is now possible. And it's possible because... Ezekiel said, hey, in chapter 18, that we would, we could, there's coming a day we're going to be able to cast away our sins and get a new heart and a new spirit because God has no pleasure. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 32 says, God has no pleasure in letting you die, but he, he, he would love and desire that you would repent and live. You know, repentance is not just some religious work. It's not just something we do at an altar call one time. It's at the very core of us. It's a, a willingness to turn from the captivity of our disease of sin and cry out to God in prayer, Oh God, I need your touch. I need your hands to come into my life, into my body, into my heart and change me. Physically, God, I need something to be done that I cannot do my own. Somebody say amen. Salvation is not something you can do on your own. It's not something you can reorganize your thought life to be better saved. It's not something you can do, reorganize your emotions that you don't get angry so much or read a help book or read a bunch of devotionals that help your attitude not to be so evil or vile or change the way you talk to people. It's because there's literally something spiritual happening in your life that God actually changed you from heaven. That Jesus Christ spiritually has come into your life and touched you in a way that nobody else could. In Psalms 51, it says, like David, we pray, created me a clean heart, O God. You know, God made your heart the first time in your mother's womb. And to make it into heaven, He's got to make your heart again. You didn't make your heart the first time, and you can't make it the second time. And Jeremiah tells us that repentance is a heart turn to God for help. The Bible says if we confess our sin with our mouth and believe and confess our, with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, you will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. I think about Hannah. The Bible tells us about Hannah in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel, that Hannah was in the uh, needed a, a miracle in her life from God, and she was praying for a son. She couldn't have a son, and she was just depressed, and 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 just life was going awry. And uh, awry, and and Hannah goes to the temple, and she begins to pray. And they even think that she's drunk. The priest Eli thinks she's drunk, but she was at a place of such desperation. And the Bible says that she was praying with her heart. She was giving her heart, pouring out her heart to God, and God blessed her with the miracle of a son. If you want to receive Jesus Christ, God's Son, today, it's at a place of humble desperation, of praying, not just with your lips, not just with your mind, but with your heart. And it can't be a prayer that anybody else prays but you. And it comes from that place. If you need a miracle, 
of something new, the Son of God in your life, it comes from a heart change. And what's that new heart like? Jeremiah 24, verse 7. Prophet Jeremiah got a little glimpse into this as well about the same time as Ezekiel. And he said, you know, he kind of looks ahead and he sees the Messiah coming and he sees what he's going to do for all the people. And can you imagine, let me just say this, pause for a moment. You and I live in a day, the Bible says, that the prophets of old long for. A day when it's actually possible to love God with everything that's in you. Think about that. Do you know how an awesome privilege it is to live after the coming of Jesus Christ. That you can have the Holy Spirit in you. You can receive Christ today when thousands of years before we wouldn't be able to say that. And Jeremiah looked in this and he says, and God told him in Jeremiah chapter 24, verse 7, he says, I'll give them a heart to know me, for I am the Lord and they will be my people. And I'll be their God. And they'll return to me with their whole heart. In the film in 1939, there was a film that came out, Wizard of Oz. How many people have seen it? Oh, most of us, okay. I was going to play it this morning at the movie. But, you know, there's a song that says, If I only had a heart. You know, the tin man sings it. And he says, he's like, uh, and I was thinking about that this morning or this evening or yesterday evening. He's like, if I only have a heart, he felt empty and his desire. If you read the words of it, it says he wanted to experience tenderness, gentleness, real emotion, friendship and love. I was thinking, man, to experience with God real tenderness, gentleness, the real emotion that I get to share God's heartbeat. And he got to share his heart with me and my heart with him that had real friendship and real love if I only had God's heart. It's possible today. You and I, I don't know, wherever you are in your life right now, some of you are in this room and I know that you're saved. I know you love God. But I don't know that you love God like He wants you to love Him. To be honest, I don't know that I love God like I think He wants me to love Him. And I want to talk about that new heart just for a moment because I think you have to understand what God has already given some of you. And for some of you, you're going to have to understand Uh uh-oh, I don't know that I have that. I think I've raised my hand 20 times in the last 10 years to be saved, but I don't don't know that I've ever had that that experience before. And some of you have had that experience years ago, and now today Christianity is just this thing you're doing. And what does that new heart look like? What is it... What, is it, what does it mean? What, what does it mean to be truly saved, born again, to see the old creature, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says, pass away and all things become new. And I looked in Scripture this week. I studied it out just for you today. You should feel loved, okay? All right? Nobody feels loved. All right. I'll, I'll just, we'll wrap it up here. No, no, no. What does that heart look like? I'll give you, I'm going to give you, this is straight from Scripture today about what the Christian should really look like. Are you ready? Are you listening? You don't have to write this down. But just listen for a moment. It says these new hearts are going to be of the spiritual DNA and they're going to be the heart of God. And it says in Scripture in Psalms 33 and 31 that God personally fashions these hearts and he writes his law on them. And Psalm 69 tells us that they, these new hearts actually are shocked into new life. They are revived, which we read this morning. They're revived. Like, you know, think about that. They say clear, you know, and, and then they're shocked to life. That's the Holy Spirit for the Christian. God puts that new heart in you and the Holy Spirit goes... New life. The Holy Spirit is bringing life into you. There's a revival of your heart once God has made it. And it says in Scripture that they are made clean and pure. 
and the fear and love of God. The new heart you receive as a Christian it becomes obedient to His Word, His commandments, and His statutes. It longs to follow the Word and obey it. Mm, think about my life. Does my heart long to follow the Word and obey it? Uh, it says, First Chronicles 16, that the new heart is glad, sings for joy, rejoices in the Lord. It's tender, forgiving, sincere in love. The new heart that God has designed in you in Colossians 3 says it's set on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Lord knows we need help in those areas, right? Somebody say amen. amen. It's set on pleasing God. It's united with His interests. The hearts that God gives are wise. They put their treasures in heaven. They press forward to being with God forever. Have you had a change of heart? Have you really, church, had a change of heart? Do I have a heart that longs for the things of God? Can I look at my life and see a past and a, begin and a, and a moment and then a future that I can say, wow, at that moment, on that night, on that day, or, or in that season of my life, I have seen my life be different. No, we're not perfect immediately, but it begins this journey that God, yeah, there's something in me that it wants to go to church. There's something in me that longs to pray. You know, if I don't pray, church, I feel like, I, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like... I, like the other day, I got really, really busy and, and I got interrupted in my prayer time and I had to go handle some issues. And I felt off the whole day. And so I just had to go back in my personal, just in the moments that I had and just say, God, okay, you know, I, I, where are you at? I need you. You know, there, I, there's a connection here. Uh, and I long to be in the presence of God. I long to be with you in the presence of God. If you don't feel those things, if there's not a zealousness rising up in you to see people saved, uh, to see the church grow. I'm going to be honest. I'd be concerned. Can I, I love you enough to tell you the truth, okay? I know some pastors will pacify you to get you at the pearly gates. I want you to be on the other side with me, all right? Okay? I love you. Tell you the truth. If you don't feel that inside of you, today's a good day for you to make it right, Okay? Uh, I don't care how long you've been a Christian or, or if you were a Christian years ago. And, and you know, even uh, uh, we talked about Samson Delilah. He backslid. He turned from the heart of God. But you can come back. And that's the heart of God. And there are those of you here today that I would tell you that don't lose heart. You know, after a, a transplant, the doctor gives you a new heart. But, you know, your quality of life is up to you. That new heart, he opens you up cuts you up, rips open your rib cage, right? And puts the new heart in there, fixes it all nice, sews it all good, shocks it back in. But if you want to go back out there and keep smoking or drinking or eating all the fatty foods, you're more than welcome to do that. He doesn't control that. That's up to you. And same thing, Christian. God can come to you in an altar this morning and give you a totally new heart, but you have the choice to go right back out there into that world and live like you just did. Right? And there'll come a day... That heart will get diseased again. I don't know what day that'll be. Nobody knows when we get cancer. Sometimes we don't even know it till years later. And the symptoms show, but it shows that you had the disease long ago. I don't know how many Christians still have a secret heart disease still. They don't realize it because all the symptoms haven't manifested yet, but they really aren't taking care of the heart that God gave them. That's between them and God. Only God knows what their heart looks like. Amen? I can't see inside that. That's a good illustration, right? Don't lose your heart. Don't lose heart. Hebrews warns us that there are those who will be saved, but their hearts will fail away to an unbelieving heart. We're to do what Romans chapter 6, verse 17 says, that we no longer are slaves to sin. 
And we are choosing to be obedient from the new heart, the heart that God gave us and to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, that God's heartbeat is right here. And I'll give you five things real quick for those of you who are Christians here today, just before we close, of how you can go through this life and don't lose heart. For some of you, the first part of the message, like, okay, yeah, Pastor Heath, I did that years ago. But today you're failing. Your heart is, is having some flutters and, and you're trying to make it. And you know that you've been saved, but that you're, you're, you're just like, oh my gosh, what's going on in my life? I feel some palpitations here. I'm feeling weaker than I've ever felt before. And, and you're getting down. You can't do what you used to do anymore. And it just feels like you're having some heart issues. Here's what you do. Don't lose heart. Number one, this is straight from Scripture as well. Number one, we are to worship Him first and always. Every day, make God the first of your day. Worship Him. Number two, you want to not have a, a heart problem in your life after this day. Number two, meditate on Scripture. It means be strong in the Word of God. This is it right here. This is the, the meat and potatoes you need to be eating that don't give you cholesterol issues, right? You want to eat all of this you want. Isn't that awesome, right? Man, I, you know, I love... Mexican food. I love all those things. I love Dr. Pepper, but I have to cut back because it's not good for me. But this, this is like the best food ever, manna from heaven, and you can eat all you want and you'll never get fat. Eat it, all right? Uh, meditate on the Word. Be strong in the Word. Number three, pray with His heartbeat. Pray His heart back to Him. Listen to your heart. The doctor listens to your heart. Jesus is listening to your heart to say, wow, is His heart beating? Is her heart beating with my heart? Pray. Jesus, come to the Father and He says, I pray your will be done. Heaven on earth, come down. God, not my will, but your will. Pray back the Word of God. Pray back His heart. Don't just pray for your Lamborghini or your light bills to be paid or, or whatever you're praying for. You're naming something you're going to claim. That's all good, right? But pray first His heartbeat. Look at the Lord's Prayer. Jesus' model is a perfect example. Number four, follow the Spirit and realize today, listen to me, Realize today, you cannot stop that sin on your own. You cannot change your behavior on your own. You cannot renew your mind, change your heart, your personality, your attitudes on your own. It only comes by the Holy Spirit listening to Him and following what He says to do. When He says it, how high He says to jump, how far He says to run. Listening to the Holy Spirit. If He says, hey... Go talk to that person. Go do it. He's testing you. If he says, give that money, do it. He's testing you. If he says, uh, uh, give that testimony when you don't feel like giving it, do it. He's testing you. If he convicts you over how you've talked to your coworker, go to your coworker and repent. God's testing you. And the more you listen to him, the healthier you'll be. But the more you don't listen to those things or those little checks he keeps giving to you, the unhealthy your heart will become. And it'll eventually become hardened again. Number five, Close with this. Grow in holiness. Holiness is not in what you dress or watch. None of those things are a factor. I think you should watch those things. Holiness means that you've set your life on purpose for God. You have set your life apart to do something for the purpose of God. What's the purpose of God? To seek and save the lost because Jesus is coming back. You set your life on the purpose of God, you'll worry about all the other things a lot less. Amen? Don't lose heart. If I had to say what I'm trying to do this morning is that I'm trying to give you a heart test. Anybody ever had that before where you had to get on the machine and you had to run and they measured all that stuff? That's what we need to do today before we leave this place. David wrote in Psalms 26, he said, Examine me, O God. Try me. 
Test my mind and my heart. If we were to test your heart today, how healthy would you be? Have you had a change of heart? And are you losing heart? Every head bowed, every eye closed today. Nobody moving around. Most important part of the service today. Just take a moment to wait upon the Lord. I'm going to ask Miss T if you'd come back. Man and religion, look at the outward appearance of your heart, of your body, but the Lord looks at your heart. God sees your heart when nobody else sees it. Psalmist 44 says he knows the secrets of your heart. And Paul wrote that one day God will disclose every hidden and every dark motive of every man's heart. And he'll judge each man accordingly. On that day, every single one of us in this room, our heart will condemn us unless we've had a change of heart. Man, there's a free gift today. A free gift of Jesus Christ that says he can come in and he can change you. Make you new again. All that junk of the past, all the feelings the world has shamed you, put regret on you, disappointment, trials, tribulations, all of that stuff, you're going to still be in a battle in this world, but there is a way you can go through it and have God's heart and be changed. You want a heart that's wholly and devoted to God today? You're here and you need to be saved. You want to walk in the blessing of God? You want to have His heartbeat Maybe you're here today and I just felt led to say this. Is this. Maybe your heart is pounding within you today. Because you know that if you died today, disaster would lie ahead of you. And you're in anguish because you're not certain you're going to escape God's judgment. You need a new heart. Fortunately, God so loved you, He sent His Son to die for you. And like David, we'd say and understand that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a repentant heart God will not despise. You repent from your heart and turn your life over to Jesus Christ. He will save you. And He won't just put a label on you. It won't just be a t-shirt. It won't just be a church membership. It will be a new beginning, a new personality, a new thought life, a new... Uh, a way of talking, of living, of feeling, of being. Because like Hannah, you're going to come to this altar and you're going to begin to seek your heart after God and pray with your heart. How many people, if you'd be here today and you say, Pastor Heath, I need a change.